and if a person focuses with his thoughts um, upon something in the world, whatever thing that is that you're focusing on, you're literally able to make happen that it should be should it become so. Meaning that if you focus on something, a potential goal, and you put your thoughts and your mind into that thing, you could literally bring it into existence. And even if a person reinforces his thoughts, so that he should get have money. It's certain that he will, he will have. And the same is true of every single thing. It's only that provided that the machshava, that a person's thoughts, are with the negation of all the senses. Meaning that, um, that when a person thinks, it's with this bitul of all the other senses, with this negation of all the other senses. A person's thought is so strong until a person is literally able to sacrifice his soul within his thought, within his mind. That you're literally able to feel the pain of death, literally. How do you do this? By accepting upon yourself, within your own mind, that you're willing to sacrifice your soul for the sanctification of God's name, with whatever death um, God pleases, basically. It's possible that a person can reinforce and strengthen his thoughts so much. That at the time when a person is accepting upon himself in his thought that he wants to sacrifice his soul for God, to sanctify God's name, then he, he will be able to literally feel the pain of death. Whenever all his students asked him um, why he was smiling at the time whenever the Romans were killing him. What did Rabbi Akiva respond? Rabbi Akiva responded, All my days, all my life, I was anguished over this verse. Which verse is he talking about? That it says in the verse, in the first verse of Shema, that you shall love Hashem your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And Rabbi Akiva was wondering with all the soul, meaning how would Rabbi Akiva sacrifice his soul for God? And all his days he wanted to do this. Rabbi Akiva was always asking himself, when will I have the chance to fulfill this verse? But now I do. And now you're going to tell, and now I'm going to be sad about it. That's what Rabbi Akiva responded. Meaning what? That at the time when Rabbi Akiva would read Shema, which is when a person is supposed to accept upon himself the four mitot bedin, that when a person says Shema, etc., he should accept upon himself the, um, to sacrifice uh, his life for God's name and to be willing to accept any of the four deaths of the, the court of law. 
האם מקבל על עצמו מסירת נפש במחשבה חזקה ותקיפה כזו? והרבי עקיבא הוא עושה קריאת שמע. He was accepting upon himself this soul sacrifice in his thought that was so strong and powerful. עד שאם מצער מרגיש ממש ייסורי אמיתה ממש until רבי עקיבא would literally feel the anguish and the pain of these afflictions of death. Literally. כאילו סוקלים וסוחבים אותו ממש בלי שום הפרש. As if they were stoning and burning him. Literally without any difference. Oh my days, I was anguished when I will be able to come and fulfill this. Meaning from this that what? That he considered, that I considered and I accepted within my own mind. When will I be able, when will this verse come to my Hands, so that I should be able to fulfill it. When will this opportunity come to me? Im soul nafshir kidush Hashem, to sacrifice my soul over um, God's name, to sanctify God's name. And it's from this, this idea that Rabbi Akiva, when he would say Shema, he would literally feel these pains of death um, that we see through this. Um, this idea that Rabbi Akiva was always wondering how to sacrifice his soul over Kiddush Hashem is because during Shema he was always putting himself in that space, in that experience. Um, from this alone I was anguished and I was um, feeling all these and enduring all these afflictions of death at the, um, at the time when I was saying Shema. But now Rabbi Akiva is saying, now that it's come to me materialized in actuality, in reality, now I won't fulfill it. Meaning Rabbi Akiva was already fulfilling it in the aspect of thought and he was literally feeling the pain. So why wouldn't he, feel it? Why wouldn't he do it in the physical realm? Which at that point for Rabbi Akiva, whose thought was so much, so strong, that he already engaged in this aspect of Mitzvah Nefesh, it's the same thing for him. Rabbi Akiva was always, was The real answer to this is that Rabbi Akiva was really saying is that didn't I constantly endure this pain and this suffering literally when I was accepting uh, the four mitot betin, the four deaths of betin and accepting this, this soul sacrifice in thought alone? So I was already doing it. And when a person reinforces his thoughts so much with this aspect of soul sacrifice, to the point that we just mentioned above, he's, this person will be able to die, literally, from the pain, It's as if he were dying from um, this death in the physical realm, meaning, for him, in thought, it's occurring the same way as if it would occur physically. Because there's actually, Rabbeinu tells us a huge chidush. There's no difference between death in actuality when it's materialized, um, to the pain that a person suffers of this death in his, in, in his thoughts. Meaning that the death that occurs in your mind is the same thing, that it, is the same pain and the same suffering that a person were to feel if you were actually to be killed. This is what Rabbanu tells us, the person needs to prevent himself, to distance himself, not to remain in that t- soul sacrifice for too long um, so that his soul doesn't uh, depart. So that he should not die before his time. God forbid. Okay, Torah Kuf Tzadik Dalet. Mi Shere Rote Kavod Hu Shote. 
One who wants honor is a fool. Because it's bring a parable. An officer, a great officer, a great noble, sent his clerk to a city. Um, he sent one of his clerks, one of his uh, assistants, to one of the cities within all of his provinces, a very distant city. And this clerk took for himself all the honor when he arrived there. Because the serfs, the people there, the common people, they didn't know that he was a servant of the officers. They thought he was a real nobleman. So they thought that he was the officer himself. And whenever they would, the people of the town would come to him, they would fall at his feet. And they would give him all the honor. And they would call him with all the titles of the honor that were applicable to the actual officer. One time the officer himself went there. And then the clerk went, came and met the officer. And then this officer asked this clerk, his clerk, his messenger, over the involvement of the of the country, and why these serfs, why these common people weren't doing their duties. The clerk called the foreman. And this officer asked this foreman over what's happening in the city. And this serf, or this foreman, didn't recognize this officer. He only recognized the... Um, the clerk, and immediately he fell before the feet of this messenger of the, the officer. And he divided, he gave him, he, uh, he gave him all the honor that was applicable to the officer, but he gave it to the wrong person, he gave it to the clerk. And then this man, this foreman, responds to the officer over um, his question. But what happened, the clerk's face turned black like the bottom of a pot. And he was very embarrassed. Because there's no greater embarrassment than this. That in front of the eyes of the officer, these people are giving the clerk the honor. Likewise, a person is given the essential kavod. Um, that the essential honor a person is given is only is due only to power of speech is only due to the power of speech because um, the limb of a person for example the hand is not able to give a person honor because you can't discern the human form from the hand itself and even the face of different people aren't um, um, unique to the person himself. Because there's also an animal that has the face of a man. For example, a monkey. This is, what, this is not what defines a man, Rabbanu tells us. Not the face, not the hand. So we see that a person only receives honor through speech. Because this is what separates a man from an animal. And therefore, because of the fact that 
the essential honor a person is given is through speech. And speech is the chamber of the king. How? Because the word chamber, which he spelled, which comes up to the numerical value of 65, has the same numerical value as Adnut. Aleph, Dalet, Nun, and Yud, which is the name of God. Um, which is the name of God, which represents Malchut. Which is speech. So Adnut, which represents speech, has the same numerical value as Hechal, which means chamber. It says in Tehilim 51, Hashem, open up my lips. So we see that speech comes through Aleph, Dalet, Nun, and Yud, that name. If so, it's as if this person wants to receive honor in the chamber of the king. There's no greater embarrassment than this. This is known empirically. Naturally, that it's certain that these servants are going to feel tremendous embarrassment when these people divide him honor and give him so much honor before the king. As uh, we just explained in that... Uh, in that um, Torah, in the, this Torah right here. And uh, this I'm sure a person understands, every person understands at their own level. Torah Kuf So we must be very careful not to receive kavod in the chamber of the king and to be truly negated before Hashem, truly humble, to give all the kavod to Hashem. Torah Kuf four. Batsar in my distress, or in my narrow places, he khaftali, you relieved me. You made it wide for me. That Hashem makes it wide whenever it's very narrow for a person. And this is a huge principle a person has to go through as Rabbi Natan says, my only consolation when it got very dark was this Torah right here. This Torah of Rabbeinu, as he told, as Rabbi Natan says in Nanim Tchufa, in the letters that he wrote to his son, that this Torah, Especially during the three weeks was the only Torah that would conceal him, console him. Sorry. That what? That even within the tzara, even within the troubles and the distress itself, Hashem also makes it wide and relieves us. Because if a person were to gaze and to pay attention to the kindnesses of God, that he would see that even at the time when God is causing him distress, that even within the distress itself, God is consoling this person and is still being great um, and acting with great chesed, great kindness. And this is why it says in the verse, in the narrow places you made it wide for me. Meaning, with the, even within the distress and the narrow place itself, Hashem, you gave me this width um, within it. Meaning, you opened it up for me, even within the distress. Not only that which we hope that Hashem saves us very, very soon from all the troubles and He makes it very good for us. Because we want to complete salvation. But Rabban was telling us that, however, even within the distress itself, God already made it wide. Meaning, God could have made it much, much worse. And His chesed is so great that even whenever it's troublesome for us, Hashem already diluted it by a tremendous amount. And we have to recognize this and be grateful for this. Torah And when a person prays, a person should not make his 
tefillah, his prayer routine. Rather, he should pray with mercy and, um, and supplications before God. Rabbanu explains, a huge principle of how to pray, Rabbanu saying. That's a huge advice on how to pray for each and every one of us. Rabbanu tells us it's forbidden for a person to be obstinate, to be closed-minded over anything. Rabbanu tells us it's forbidden for a person to stubbornly insist in his prayer that God should do exactly as he wishes. Because this is as if a person is trying to take something by force, by stealing. A person needs to pray before God in supplication and asking for God's mercy. If God wants to give it, then He shall give. If God does not want to comply with your request, love, He won't. In another place, um, in the Tikkun Ezorach, Siman Chaf, Oh, sorry. No, my bad. Torah Tisha Tikkunin Siman Chaf and the Torah, uh, Torah 20 of Likut Moran, which brings up um, the nine ratifications that were given over to the beard, etc. Brought down the Zohar Kadosh. Rabbeinu tells us in this Torah, this idea, Rabbeinu is re- uh, going, uh, explaining in a different aspect here. He's telling us a person needs to, cannot be stubborn in tefillah. Yes, you can pray for what you want, but you cannot force Hashem to comply with your request. And this is also a lack of emunah, clearly, because you think you know better than Hashem. You, we pray for what we want. We ask Hashem that He gives us the rachamim in our hand that we're going to see later in the Yikutem Orantinyana, Torah 66, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But nonetheless, if Hashem wants to do it another way, then we have to accept it and we have to be besimcha in that manner also. This is what Do not make your tefillah routine. What's keva? Routine from the language kovea, which means to rob. The aspect of stealing. It says in Mishle, chapter 22, and rob of the life of those who rob them. Rob the life of those who rob them. So we see that kava means to robbery, stealing. Meaning anything that which you request in prayer, whether it's livelihood or children. Or any other needs. It's forbidden to be stubborn and obstinate in your prayer. That specifically Hashem should comply with what you want. Because this is an aspect of stationary tefillah. Which means what? Literally, a tefillah of robbery. That you're stealing something by force. In theft. A person should pray. Begging on God's mercy and supplications. As we said above. This gossip of the world, this evil, this evil speech of the world damages and blemishes humility. When the world speaks Lashon Ara, it damages humility. That when the world speaks Lashon Ara through this blemish, it's impossible for the tzaddikim to be truly humble. Because what does Lashon Ara do? Evil speech, speaking badly about others, etc. And whatever the laws that have to fall into Lashon Ara because it's very, 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 very um, technical. And it's a super, super bad sin. As we know in the Gemara, many places where Lashon Ara is equated to even the three cardinal sins of murder, um, 
adultery and uh, and uh, idol worship, etc. <clears throat> so Rabenu tells us that the blemish of Lashon Hara separates humility and wisdom. Whenever humility is separated from wisdom, humility is blemished. It's impossible to be humble. Even if you try to be humble, it's without wisdom. That humility without wisdom is actually nothing. It's worth nothing. Because it's certain that it's not the true virtue of humility to show yourself in a lowered, uh, with your head lowered um, in a foolish manner as if you are humble, meaning to walk around with your head below without any wisdom and uh, to pretend as if you are humble. Because that isn't hum- humility at all. Because this is false humility. The truth, the essence of humility, true humility is what? When it's with wisdom, when it's paired with, paired with wisdom. But through Lashonara, there creates a separation between wisdom and humility. It's impossible to be humble then. And this was the awesome love of Moshe Rabbeinu, that the Torah praised him. That Moshe Rabbeinu was so humble and the Torah praised him so much that he was at such a great level of humility that even Lashon Ara could not damage his humility. Meaning he cannot separate his wisdom from, um, from his humility. And this is what it says in Bamidbar, chapter 12. And you shall speak, etc. with Moshe, etc. etc. Nimza, we find. That we see that what? That there is a blemish of Lashon Ara in the world. But nonetheless it says the man Moshe was extremely humble. That he was at such an awesome level of humility. That even the blemish of Lashon Ara could not damage his humility. And this is true of Rabenu himself as well who said, speaks about this in Chayim Moran about his own humility. And uh, people have questions about Rabenu and Tzadikim that speak about their humility, Rabbi Shem Bayochai, who can say such things about himself. And specifically Rabbi Nachman who said things about himself and his humility. But what that means to tell us is that we do not understand humility at all because we don't have humility paired with wisdom. We think humility is looking down to the ground, but that's not humility at all. Humility is complete recognition of God. It's when your dot is so great, your consciousness of God is so great. Your recognition of the Creator and understanding God's greatness is so awesome. And yet, because you know that, you realize how insignificant you are. And that is only possible when you have that wisdom, when you have that consciousness, and which only the great, great Sadiqim attain. So you cannot be truly humble until you, you gain that wisdom and you gain that consciousness, because then it's just false humility. And uh, Ramano speaks about this in Chaim Oran. But here we see this idea that whenever Miriam and Aaron spoke Lashon Rabba Moshe Rabbeinu, that right after in the Torah, it juxtaposes this idea with Moshe was the most humble man on earth, it says. To teach us that even Lashon about Moshe, that was spoken about Moshe, did not harm him. And he was still as humble as he was before. It's an amazing thing. Torah Kuv Tzadikhet. A very deep Torah, two lines, one of the smallest lessons in all of Likutei Moran, but an extremely deep and practical lesson. Rabbanu tells us, When a person screams to God, prays out to God, cries out to God, Omrim Lolisa, they tell him to move, to go forward, to travel. Chapter 14, when the Am Yisrael was on the banks of the Red Sea, 
and they were crying out to God, what did Hashem tell Moshe Rabbeinu? Why are they screaming out to me? Screaming out to me. Speak to Bnei Israel and then move. Meaning, after prayer, once a person prays, that person should just go act. And it's very deep, and this is a very deep inyan, which, which applies in many of the teachings of Rabbeinu. Yishtabchut HaNefesh speaks about this. And Sipo um, Masiot, lots and lots of uh, teachings of Rabbeinu that delve into this concept about prayer and then movement. That you cannot just be stationary, you, you move. That they tell him to move. And this can go on many different, uh, many different levels and speak to many different situations. Torah Kuv Tzaditet 199 There's a sweetening to be saved from the punishment of widowhood. To prevent oneself from being a widow. That a person should not have his wife die. And how does a person do this? When he begins feeling the sweet taste of the Torah. Through this a person saved from the punishment of um, not falling into widowhood. God forbid. And these are the letters of Alman, widow. Alman, Alif, Lamed, Mem, Nun, Manim, that's in Tehidim, chapter 119, awesome Chidush, Rabbeinu tells us. Alman um, is an acronym for this phrase. How sweet to my palate are your words. Meaning the words of the Torah are, are God's words. Meaning the sweetening. When you recognize the sweetness of the Torah, the words of God, then you're able to prevent yourself from being an Alman. When a person feels the sweetness of the Torah, the true sweetness of the Torah. The person saves from this punishment. And the verse also finishes there. In Tehidim. More than honey to my lips. How sweet to my palate are your words. More than honey to my lips. That the sweetness of the word of the Torah more than sweeter, sweeter than honey. That's true. This feeling of the sweetness of the word of the Torah, he's able to, this person is able to sweeten the judgment of um, his wife's death. God forbid. For why did it say that uh, how sweet to my palate are your words more than the honey to my lips? For honey, Rabbanu tells us, and he, as he brings down um, in the Sefer Meoreor, um, Kavanot, etc., and different Sfarim, that Dvash, honey, has the same numerical value, 306, as Isha, woman. Kamavakdimi is brought over there. Meaning that the sweetness of the words of the Torah are able to repair um, the judgments upon this woman. Torah 200. The reason why Tzadikim during this time period are wealthy. And in the previous times, in the ancient times, were very were majority um, in poverty and and uh, in a poor and impoverished state. This is hinted to in the Mishnah, in uh, Anyone who fulfills the Torah from poverty, in the end, will fulfill it through wealth. Rabbeinu explains what this Pirkei Avot is hinting to us through the Sod of Gilgul. 
The tzaddikim that are taking place, are, that are alive during this time period, are the same tzaddikim who were in the ancient times, the previous times, who were serving God through poverty. In the aspect or in the secret of reincarnation, meaning that these tzaddikim are the reincarnations of those tzaddikim who were once serving God in, in poverty. So that they already, so the fact is they already served Hashem, they fulfilled the Torah from poverty already. Now they merit to fulfill the Torah through wealth. Amazing. Torah 201. It is brought, it is hinted to in the Tagum, in the translation of Echa. In uh, chapter 2, verse 7, that in Pesach, a person screams during prayer. That in Pesach, a person is meant to cry out during Tfilah. Kamuval Pasuk is brought on the verse, What did it say over there in Echa? It says in the verse, Kol natnu they made a sound in the house in the house of God. as on the day of the assembly, as if it was the day of the assembly. What did it say in the Unkelus? Kekal What did it say over there in Tagum? Sorry, in the Aramaic. Kekal This is like the sound of the nation. Of the uh, or, or of the people who are praying on the festival of Pesach, look over there in the Talgum So we see here this idea that a person is supposed to pray on Pesach out loud more than usual. Rabbanu also brings the verse from Mishle, chapter ten. Charity saves a person from death, saves one from death. Now Hashem will take the first letters of this phrase. Tzadik Tav Mem makes it around you get Matzat Rashet Abad Matzat you get um, the acronym you get these letters spell out the verse or the word Matzat which is um, Matzah Rabban also tells us um, something propitious for a person who has epilepsy God forbid to spread Tzadikah to give charity Person who has epilepsy should give charity. Pizar natan levionim, rachetevot nofel. Because what? Pizar natan levionim. He has given generously to the poor. As it brought down in verse in Tainim chapter 112. Pizar natan levionim. Rachetevot, take the first letters, you get pe, nun, lamed, which you mix them around, you get nofel, which is what? Epilepsy. So, Rabenu also speaks about epilepsy in Torah. Um, 29 over there. Rabbanu brings also another segula, an awesome, awesome tikkun um, for a person who has epilepsy. But staka, Rabbanu seems to say, um, is a very big uh, segula to prevent a person and to heal a person's epilepsy. Anyone whose intellect is smaller, the more respect one needs to show him. It's a very important Torah. He called because the the smaller a person's intellect is, the more he desires honor and glory. This we see naturally. That the nashim, that women, are particular very much under honor. And they want the honor very, very much. Because this is, and the reason for this, as it's brought down in the Gemara, in the Gemara Shabbat, 
um, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the Gemara Shabbat. Gemara Shabbat, Lamed Gimel, Lamed Bet, that a woman's uh, da'at, a woman's intellect is undeveloped. That it's very small, meaning that it's not necessarily where she needs to put her work on. That's not um, her strong suit. Her strong suit comes from the place of Bina, which is the heart. It's much more emotional. And um, that's why that's where the woman's success is. But it, the dot is not where the woman's strength is. Um, as we know that man is Chochmah and woman is Bina. It's a very different so, the relationship between the heart and the mind. And uh, Rabban was telling us that the one person who's supposed to increase their intellect shouldn't run after honor. This is why Rabban was saying that men, men in general should not run after honor. And the greater person's intellect is the less honor he needs. Um, and the less respect this person feels the need. The person feels need for less respect. He doesn't need the respect. Even if he's an awesome tzaddik, he won't be makpid uh, upon his own honor. Torah Gimel. Two or three. tells us that from the conversations and the worldly conversations of women, a person is able to know the status of the divine presence. Where she's holding at the moment. This is what is written with regard to Mordechai in Megillat Esther chapter 2. That Mordechai went before the courtyard of the woman's, the woman's house the woman's courtyard, to know how Esther was faring, how Esther was doing. And what is Rabbeinu telling us? As is brought down in Priyat Chayim, in Sharab Sukim, Sefer Alikutim, on Megillat Esther, and, and the Zohar, many different sources, that Esther represents the Divine Presence. She is the Divine Presence. So Hamodecha is going to the courtyard of the of where the women were staying. To find out how Esther was faring was to find out actually where the Shekhinah was holding. had attained this level, to know how the Shekhinah was doing, where she was holding. From the courtyard of the woman's house. What is the Chatzar Bet Anashim? The courtyard of the woman's house? Through their conversations. So a tzaddik is able to tell, an awesome person is able to tell, um, just from the conversations of women around, around him, um, where the Shekhinah is holding. The greatness of charity is known. Specifically when one gives to a, a sage of Torah. That the money a person gives to a, a Torah sage, a Talmudic scholar, is the aspect of support for the Torah. He falls under the category of supporting the Torah. But Rabbeinu tells us it goes further. The truth is actually, Rabbeinu says, that this money a person gives to the Talmudic scholar is actually an aspect of literal Torah. And there's not a sin that can extinguish, extinguish sorry, this money that a person gives to this sage. Because there's no sin that can can't um, because sin can't extinguish Torah. There's no sin that can extinguish Torah. And this money is literally Torah. So you cannot overpower this money with sin, God forbid, because this money is completely pure. It's an actual Torah. This is what it's this is what is this is going to tell us. Ma'ot, money. Rachetevot is an acronym for this phrase. And 
and sin. No sin can extinguish Torah. Take the first letters of this phrase, Yavav, Ayn, Mem, and Tav. The N, Avera, Mechabat Torah, mix it around, you get Ma'ot, money. Meaning that the money itself is an aspect of Torah, so no sin can extinguish that money. There's many other aspects with regard to this subject. Because at the time Rabbeinu revealed this lesson, Rabbeinu also told us a story with regard to this. But we did not merit only, we did not merit to write that story, only to write what is written over here. That's it for today, Bezrat Hashem. May we have the merit to apply all these lessons as we see that this is uh, probably the most lessons we've done in a day um, since the beginning of our podcast. But uh, we see the amount of advice here. A person should review, go through each lesson slowly and really, really try to apply what is written because Be'emet, there's awesome advice that uh, even the Mashiach, when he comes, is going to speak about this. Uh, Bezrat Hashem.